the first series of the InSync podcast was a real unprecedented success. And thanks to Phil, Lydia, Lockie, Chris, Luke, Seb, Jamie, Manos, Matas, Eduardo, and Laura. It was my great pleasure to get to know each and every one of you that little bit more. From the success of 10 Quick Questions to feedback on episode length, all's been taken on board for the launch of Series 2. And here we go. Without further ado, we've got guests joining me this series from the heart of Middlesbrough to Chicago in North America. The podcast still seeks to celebrate tech and techies in the UK, whilst gaining an outside perspective on the UK tech scene from abroad. Peter, Head of Development at Mabo, you ready to kick off Series 2? Yeah, let's do this. Perfect. So paint the scene for us. Like, Where's home and, and where are you currently operating out of? So home for me always has been and always will be Teesside. Um, I was born and bred in Middlesbrough. I'm really passionate about the local area. Um, and it's a really up and coming area too. Um, we are technically a town rather than a city, but in a lot of the reports and a lot of the information that you see all coming out, Middlesbrough's got a boom in technology sector um, to the point where we're sort of competing with those key cities, the likes of Manchester, Leeds. Longer term, we'll be looking to compete with London as well in terms of the startups that we've got and from that, things wow. like the grants that we've got available um, and the support that we offer to businesses as as a community. Um, so an up-and-coming town that will hopefully be competing with the cities for, for a long time to come. I like that. And, and in terms of where you've been working from home, has is, is that changed? Have you got your own office now? Did you not have that before we all went into uh, working from home? Or have you, have you got a nice little setup now? Um, I think pretty much the same as everyone else. They started working from their dining room table. Um, and the longer <laughs> the longer COVID made itself present, um, we made more and more adaptations to the house. So I've, I've got a dedicated office space now. Um, we've just sort of opened on a phase one basis as of yesterday our actual office in in the Middlesbrough town centre but it's nice to sort of have that option of being able to work from home or work from an office as and when we choose to um but yeah I've got a pretty good setup now it's been it's been a year in the making but I think particularly work as part of a tech company it's going to become an essential now that the spare bedroom is is the office yeah I I've just got my desk exactly how I want it and now we're pretty much going back to the office um so I'm pretty gutted about that because my desk looks beautiful now in uh, in in my house and uh, yeah we're going back to the office but I think like you we're, we're taking a, a mixed approach um but it's, it's going to be difficult to get that regimented getting up going to the office um it's not as easy as it used to be I don't know if you've had that even just going back to the office yesterday uh, especially with the climate that we've had recently so we got some snow over the weekend even though it's uh, Easter's, uh-huh. Easter's- came and gone um so it was tricky getting up yesterday morning having to de-ice and scrape snow off the car it's definitely what not what i expected in the second week of april so it was definitely more tricky than i anticipated it was going to be coming back (laughs) into the office and um so obviously we've got we've got 45 minutes with you today um and tell us a little bit more about mabo peter so Maybo have been a ppc specialist agency for we're just coming up towards our eighth birthday now um We've built our business on providing a no-contract approach to pay-per-click services. Over the years, that sort of followed um, some natural progression, and we've been able to expand into other services. And we work with about 400 retailers now, um, with responsibility for about 35 to 40 million in annual ad spend. Um, like I say, that started predominantly in pay-per-click. We were a specialist agency just in that one service. We decided to go down that route and just build a reputation based on one service rather than try and expand too quickly and dilute our service offering by moving into things like SEO or websites or affiliates or anything like that. Um, In the last 18 months to two years, we opened up our social offering. 
um, and we're basically mirroring the process that we've had for pay-per-click. So we work directly with advertisers um, based on their Google ads, Microsoft ads, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Pinterest, LinkedIn, etc. So we've sort of expanded the service offering where we can advertise. Um, it's a really exciting point for us because we are starting to explore the, those, those next set of services. Um, not something that I can speak too much about just yet, so it's definitely a watch this space position. Nice, and uh, we'll go more on to, to Mabo and obviously yourself and, and your career thus far in a bit, but uh, if you've listened to a couple of the podcasts, you'll probably know that I do these 10 quick questions, yeah. um, which is always a listener favourite. So as always, short answers are fine. There's no need to explain yourself. You ready? <laughs> ready. Who's your hero? Steve Jobs. I love that. If you could live anywhere, where would it be? New York, Manhattan. Nice. And um, what's your biggest fear? Oh, it's, it's a tricky one. It's, it's difficult to be quick on that one. Um, probably just the fear of not feeling fulfilled in life. Yeah, yeah likewise. And um, what would you change about yourself if you could? I'd definitely be more naturally extroverted. And what makes you really angry? Cables, wires. <laughs> You'd hate my setup at the moment then. Um, what, what motivates you to work hard? The idea of making a difference and uh, helping someone, a person or a business improve. If you could hire someone to help you, would it be cooking or cleaning? Cleaning for sure. <laughs> Which is tricky when I hear uh, cables. <laughs> and what's your favourite family vacation that you remember? Um, do you know, it's probably, and this is going to sound really northern of me, um, a trip to Benidorm a couple of years ago with family was a really big one for me. Um, it was sort of a first adult trip, um, being a grown-up, and just sort of spending time with family in a totally different setting and just having that generic sort of time to switch off and spend time with family and not, not worry about work or any sort of responsibilities. At the time, it, it seemed like it was uh, just just sort of standard to go, right? And I bet you look back at it and just wish you could be by the pool with a beer, uh, with your family chilling out, right? I'd, I'd give absolutely anything for that right now. <laughs> likewise, likewise. And um, long as you've gone without sleep? Two days. Wow. What's the story behind that? Uh, so the first one was, the first day was we uh, took part in a charity initiative called the Teesside CEO Sleepout, which is charity initiative which was getting some sort of business leaders and business owners together to raise money and spend a night on the streets um, in the local area uh, just to sort of for one to sort of grasp what it was to be like to actually have to sleep in uh, sleep sleep rough essentially um, yeah. and as, as you can imagine so this was in about May time but even even then it, it still got pretty chilly during the evening and a lot of people decided that they, were, they weren't going to be able to sleep so it was just sort of that sense of camaraderie of spending the night up sort of discussing the situation and what we could do to improve it for people in the area um, and the, the second night after that was I was just sort of so out of sync with my sleeping pattern I, I didn't manage to sleep the day after because I drank so much coffee to keep awake during the day <laughs> wow that, I mean that initiative sounds awesome it's not something I've heard of before I mean where, where did where did you hear about it so it started off in Teesside and it's expanded nationally um, it is a really great initiative um, and definitely something that I'd say you've got to experience at least once in your life um, by all means it, it doesn't give you sort of the full experience of, of what it's obviously like to sort of be on the street but it is sort of a bit of an eye-opener to, to some aspect of what it is like um, I, like I said I definitely recommend everyone takes part at least once and if nothing else raises money for some charity and 
get into the experience of what it could be like. Absolutely. And in uh, any sort of socials that we put out for this podcast, I'll leave a link to it if you can send me across a bit of the information after the podcast, because um, stuff like that, I'm, you know, I, that's, that's really, really, I really like the idea of that yeah, um, yeah, to actually experience it, to understand it rather than just uh, pity money of sorts. Yeah, well, 100%. It's, it's just, um, you will absolutely understand the situation more when you've experienced part of it yourself um, and things like that. And particularly improving our local area is definitely something that I care a lot about. So it's, it's a really great initiative that's spread on a national scale. Fantastic. And the tallest building you've been on top of? Probably the Blackpool Tower. I'm not particularly well travelled. Yeah, I think, I, I don't know if I've been up Blackpool Tower, but I, uh, I know of it. And finally, Will England win the Euros this summer? Absolutely, it's coming on. Get in! You're the first person. No one in Series 1 said that. This is Series 2, and uh, you're the first person. So that's amazing. I love to hear it's it. It's um, coming on. <laughs> I completely agree. I completely agree. And it's in England as well. Finals at Wembley, so it's written in the stars, really. Exactly, it's fair. So what, what sort of influenced the techie within you, I guess, during your earlier and, and teenage years? Was there anything, uh, any evidence of you being particularly interested in it? Um, yeah. So I, I always took an interest in tech, um, even, even from being a kid. Um, I, I was always interested in computers and just sort of making the most of uh, using technology as a, as a bit of an escape, to be honest with you. Um, as, as I sort of grew a little bit older through into the later years of school, I, I still knew that I wanted to be involved in tech or IT in some way, but at the time I, I had no idea what that meant. Um, I just, in the nicest way possible, I just knew that I wanted to work with computers. Um, and I didn't really know what the options were to me. Um, there's been leaps and bounds of changes and improvement in terms of careers advice in school since, since I was there about nine years ago, um, which I've seen for myself, which is great. But at the time, um, like I said, I just knew I wanted to work in computers, but I didn't really know what that meant longer term. Uh, I didn't know of web development as a job. I obviously knew that software development existed, but I didn't know what it entailed or what you would need to get there. The only database I'd ever heard of was part of a spreadsheet. Um, so it was, it was very much, I, I was very naive at the time, just knowing that I wanted to work with computers. Um, and one thing that I'll always remember and something that I do feel quite passionate about in particular is, so at the time when you're sort of 15 and 16 at school, the the importance that's put on GCSEs towards your career and being told that GCSEs can be a make or break for your employability as a young person. Um, and I, I remember that always stuck with me. So I, I really grafted and put the effort into getting those GCSE results. Uh, and from there, I remember not particularly knowing what my options were, like I say, other than knowing that I wanted to work with computers further down the line. I, I didn't know what opportunities for employment were out there. So I found myself enrolling at college and straight away was hit with the same sort of spiel um, in that you need these A-levels, um, so an AS and an A2 to progress to uni. Um, they're really going to affect your employability further down the line. And I, I just remember thinking that it was the exact same conversation that I'd had in school, just with a different qualification. Um, and again, it was potentially quite quite naive of me at the time, but I remember thinking I've worked so hard to get these GCSEs and get results because I'm not naturally academic. But I've worked hard to get these GCSEs, so can I start my career now? Or am I going to have to go through the same sort of discussions at college, which admittedly pushes students to go to university and there isn't a great deal of alternative, or it certainly did at the time. Uh, and then I was going to go through the same, at, just at a high level at university, in that you need to study hard to get this degree to have any, any opportunity for a career further down the line. Um, so it, it was through my own research that, I discovered more about apprenticeships at the time and sort of how they were going through a real 
period of expansion into into other fields and other sectors um and just sort of finding the apprenticeships website because and i think a lot of people still sort of have that stigma down to a certain degree that when you think of apprenticeships you just you, you think of manual trades and labor um because that's what apprenticeships were if when i was at school like i said nine or ten years ago it was it was what they were sold as um and i think that that dates back for for years and years um they've gone through an awful lot of expansion into the point where you you could get an apprenticeship in pretty much any subject. Um, I'm fairly certain I remember reading about 12 or 18 months ago that was becoming the first apprenticeships to study towards doctorates. Um, they've gone to like a they've gone to like a higher degree and doctorate equivalent level. Um, and it was just from my own research of, of finding that first NVQ level two apprenticeship in. It started off in digital marketing. Um, I sort of decided the more and more that I thought about tech, what my, what my interests were, and naturally being 15 and 16 years old, I, I was glued to the likes of Facebook and BBM at the time. And I just sort of did a little bit of research into what, what sort of jobs you can get from that. And naturally, it's, it's sort of quite fitting in that I work in a, in a pay-per-click advertising agency now, but there's things like social media marketing. Um, but I took a real interest in just sort of wanting to understand how brands can influence purchases online or how you could see a product or a page and how that could make you make an informed decision into a purchase or make or start the research phase. Um, the one that I took a real interest in was email marketing. So the first role that I ever got as a digital marketing apprentice was largely spent around building HTML emails. Um, I went into that. So this was a small agency called Tad Web Solutions. Um, it was just myself and two other guys at the time. So it, it was a real startup. Um, and from there, like my, my role initially was largely to coming in with no experience and just the, the willingness to learn, to learn HTML and start putting together these really basic HTML emails. So unfortunately, sort of between 2013 and 2014, if, if a spam newsletter hit your inbox in the Middlesbrough area, I probably paid a part in it. Um, so I, I can only apologize in hindsight, but it sort of, it, it really ties in with the role that I'm in now at Mabo and how Mabo's grown as an agency in terms of natural progression, because starting off that apprenticeship in digital marketing is what first introduced me to to coding and design um, and sort of working with HTML. And that progressed into uh, starting to look at the front end of really basic websites. Um, and from there, sort of taking a keen interest in how the, the inner workings of a website were. Um, and from there, sort of looking at programming over about a three or four year period. So I'd secured that first apprenticeship looking at sort of how to design newsletters at 16. And by 20 and 21, I'd, I'd had a full-time job at the same agency, which we'd grown in terms of staff, uh, in terms of office space, and in terms of as a business. And I was working with clients to, to develop websites. Um, admittedly, some of them were, st were still basic. I was still in the early years of learning. Um, in that three or four year period, if I'd have stayed, if I'd have stayed on the natural sort of the more traditional tertiary education, I'd have only been in my first or second year of uni at the time. So, but I'd, but I'd managed to gain four years of work experience in that period. Um, and it's just sort of, my whole career has been a, been a process of natural progression, I'd say, and I really enjoy that. Um, in that I've, I've been able to learn as part of the job. I've worked with some incredible people that have been able to teach me um, and been able to, to learn from things online. Um, as a dev, I'm not opposed to, to admitting that there's been times where I've learned from answers on Stack Overflow and the likes. So <laughs> it's, it's just, um, just, it's just that natural progression and, I've much more enjoyed learning on the job than having to go through that university education route. That strikes something with me because I I took the traditional, um, I guess, well, what was the traditional uh, route? And 
yeah, school, A-levels, university. And I just look at those like four or five years as just years where I just did what I was sort of told I should do. And yeah. I, but at the time, I didn't really think too much about it. I was just like, this is what I need to do. Go and do this now. Um, and I look back and I, I do regret that time. Like, I don't mind saying that I do actually regret going down that route. Okay, I, you know, maybe I wouldn't be sat here talking to you if, uh, if I hadn't gone down that route, right? That's how life works. But at the same time, I'm pretty reflective in the fact that I see people that have gone down a completely other route, such as yourself. Um, and you found your way to where you're happy in life, right? Which is, which is fantastic. And I think there is a lot more that could be done in schools to stop feeding people in education to further education and really, really requiring it. So hearing that those uh, apprenticeships can um, have a doctorate equivalent or lead to a doctorate, that's amazing. Yeah, 100%. I think it's more just a case of ensuring that students have all the information they need to make that informed decision on what the best choice is for them, rather than thinking that college and university is always the the go-to route and that anything else is an alternative or a fallback. Um, They all have their own pros and cons and they should all be viewed as as equal. Um, Naturally, there are certain roles that that fit an apprenticeship or the college and degree route more, but it's it's just you don't know what you don't know until it's, it's put in front of you. Exactly, and and to me, it was almost thrown to me as if you didn't go to university, then you're a failure. And people, that, and, and then you went to uh, if you went to do an apprenticeship or you went to start somewhere else, or you started a job straight out of school, then you're a bit of a, an outcast. Whereas looking back, the people that have done that, are, are what I would say, are the most successful. And by successful, I mean the happiest. And you know, they've they've got, they've done things in four years while I was sat at university, um, that and and got ahead of me. You know, that's not the most important thing, getting ahead of people. But they're in a position where they're really happy. They really know what their careers. Um, going to be whereas when I was leaving university a few years ago didn't really even know what I wanted to do then so um, I think uh, yeah I changed an attitude and um, but I think it sounds like that's happening in schools at the moment from what you're saying and, and I guess from what I've heard in other places and that these other options are being put forward rather than just sending people um, to university so no fantastic and I've, I've got a couple of questions about uh, those first few roles Um could you take us on like a whistle-stop tour from leaving education to hearing about Mabo so everyone can understand exactly where you've gone through and then just finish up at the point you've heard of Mabo? Yeah. So um, having left school at 16, I enrolled in the I enrolled in college from September. So that'll be September 2012. Um, and by December, I was a college dropout because I, I just decided that that route wasn't right for me. And it was over that Christmas period where I did that research into apprenticeships Um I secured that first role at Tad Web Solutions. Um, I'm still really grateful and really good friends with the owner, Ian Elcott. Uh, he, he has literally been my mentor for the last five or six years. Um, so I started there as an apprentice uh, and sort of worked my way up to within a point of about five years, I was a director of the firm that had offered me my first ever job. Um, just as the business had grown and I'd grown in influence and capabilities and sort of really invested in that business and, and grown with it. A part of that was Tad Web Solutions itself looked to expand into different services and different areas as a web agency. Um, one of the things that we quite often were requested for, because we were working with brand new startup businesses and small agencies, um, was sort of further afield marketing services. So they would look at who we could recommend or could we work on their e-marketing beyond sort of HTML emails or social. And one of the things that we quite often got, particularly with small new startups, was the need for sort of tangible products and print. 
Um, and rather than bring that in under an agency called Tad Web Solutions, it, it made sense to sort of set up a, a separate sister company, which was the formation of Boho Print. Um, and I think that was in about 2016. So it was planned for the first 12 months that my time would be split between working in web dev at Tad Web and as a creative director at Boho Print and getting that first opportunity to sort of see the inner workings of a business and be hands-on with that. So writing business yeah. plans, securing investment. Um, so I, I ran that business alongside two other directors for 12 months. And I took a step back after 12 months when we'd reached the point of profitability and sustainability. It had built, built its own reputation and client base and was, was able to sort of run itself to a certain degree with repeat customers and a couple of other members of staff. Um, so I went back full time to Tad Web Solutions and we focused on scaling that business and working with much larger clients. Um, one of the clients that we worked with was Mabel Media um, and they were going through a oh, real yeah. period of expansion at the time. So that was how I first sort of came to know Mabel as an agency. Um, I was sort of there. We, we didn't have account managers at the time, but I was the main person to deal with any of their tech requirements that we worked on. They sort of had no, they had no devs internally at the time. So I was the closest thing they had to an in-house dev sort of building their tech and sort of working with them to discuss their needs. And it just sort of yep. progressed from there as Mabel grew. Fantastic. And is there anything you're particularly proud of up to um, joining uh, Mabel at all, um, which obviously we'll touch on in a second, anything that, that you would say would be a highlight of that time? There's two real standout moments for me. Um, one was sort of negotiating to be a director of the firm that had offered me my first ever job within four or five years of being there. I'd started at yeah. 16 with no prior work experience uh, and sort of no knowledge in the field, just the willingness to learn. And within five years, I was a part owner of the firm. And the other one, just, just to come back to apprenticeships, was I was really lucky to be able to allocate some time into working with schools and colleges and learning providers to speak to under-16s and people who were unemployed at the time about the options that they had in front of them, whether it was college or university or the apprenticeship route. Um, and they tied together really nicely in that, in that period of sort of starting as an apprentice and up to the point of part owning the same business. And it started with an apprenticeship and I was able to go in and talk to students and in the nicest way possible, I, I was I was a local kid who'd done it. Um, and it yeah. sort of, it was much easier to read than a case study of someone in London or something that didn't really sound Definitely. too believable. Definitely, it was much easier than an exercise book textbook of telling you how to get from here to here or a guide of how to get to this or that. It was actually a, a physical demonstration to them. And I think that's great. Is that something that you continue to do, that sort of thing? Or especially after COVID, you're going to be continuing to do? It's definitely something that I'd look to, to pick up and get involved with again. Naturally, over the sort of the last 12, 18 months, it's something I've had to take a step back from. But those yeah. routes to employment and education are something I'm really passionate about. Um, apprenticeships changed my life, to, um, for sure. So to be able to sort of go into schools and colleges and talk to students about it is definitely something that I'd look to carry on with. Awesome. And uh, do, do you think there was another route that life could have taken you down? Uh, absolutely. Had you not gone into tech, I suppose? I think tech has always been sort of in my nature. Um, I'm the first in my family to work outside of engineering. And if anything, that, that spurred me on even more to make a success. So I'm yeah. from a background of mechanical engineers and very hands-on practical people. Um, I was the first person yeah. who wanted to work in tech. So there's really been no other choice for me unless I went down the family tradition of, of being in labor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose you're an engineer of sorts in development, just uh, in a slightly different world. <laughs> Definitely, but it's, uh, it's, a it's a difficult type of engineering to try and explain. It's a different, yeah, absolutely. It's a different beast. I've, I've, um, 
in in, a, in the previous previous life, I used to work with um, mechanical engineers pretty much every day. So yeah, it's definitely a different world, um, but engineering nonetheless in both. Absolutely. Um, so where, where did this opportunity present itself at, at Mabo? Well, I, obviously you were exposed to them through what your work at your previous uh, place. And was there just a conversation one day or, or how did that come about? Uh, so Mabo was going through a really exciting growth period at the time. Um, they'd grown to just under 30 members of staff. Um, we'd been working solely with them to build their tech and help them scale that. So we, we were really invested in working together as partners. Um, and it reached a point where it made sense for them to start investing on staff in-house to sort of develop that tech that they needed. There was absolutely no hard feelings about that because we, we'd built such close ties. It was great to see a client had grown to that point where they could take it in-house. Um, there, there was absolutely nothing bitter about it and it was re- we were really excited for them. Um, the first roles that they posted were for sort of junior web roles and there was no one in the business at the time that had that sort of programming and tech experience. So yeah. when I got in touch, I said, like, oh, um, no hard feelings. We're really excited for you. Um, if there's anything that we can do to help with recruitment, just in terms of sending over any interview questions, because it, it's something that we did quite regularly, um, mm-hmm. just let me know. I'd, I'd be happy to sort of give you advice on, on some, some CVs and et cetera. Um, and just at the same time, I'd arranged a meeting with one of the guys at Mayball just to run through some handover processes. So things like taking over the website and anything else that we could hand over and how we would deal with that. Um and that conversation went really well. Like I say, we were really excited for them. So we were just beginning to sort of deal with the handover. And it was where I learned more about Mabel's serious growth plans. And that initial conversation that maybe took about an hour, an hour and a half, started with just discussing that handover. And the end of the day, um, I had a job offer in my inbox for the head of development. <laughs> and the rest is this is history. Amazing. And, and then what were the main objectives that were agreed with you when, when you joined? So the main objective initially was to sort of very much get the house in order. Um, in terms of the tech plans that they had in place, we were really ambitious to to improve the business from within. So over the course of sort of the, the four or five years that Maybo had been running as an agency before me, um, they'd built up this huge list of tech ideas, which was unbelievable. Um, to constantly push the service forward, it was absolutely great to see such ambition. Um, so initially it was my role to come in prioritize that list and sort of begin to work through the backlog um which started with, with some really big pieces of tech um and like i say focusing on better in the business from within and lay the foundations for growing a dev team internally when internal tech reached a certain point we'd look as a business to sort of move into a more client-facing product or service um and as we speak that's what we're in the process of planning for sort of the next nine to 12 months to get launched um so we, we are looking at building something really exciting for e-commerce retailers watch this space uh, well, you really teased. That's the second time you've teased this now. So you're gonna have to come back on and tell us all about it when it's uh, when it's launched. So that sounds exciting. And can you take us through? First time I've asked this question to anyone, but I think it's quite interesting. Can you can you take us through a week in the job, um, Monday through to Friday? Like, what is the? Is there a pattern, or does each week change? Uh, it's it's somewhere in the middle. Um, by nature, I'm quite a creature of habit, so I'm religious with Google Calendar in that I try to I try to stack it as much as I can and stick to it. Otherwise, I'll get caught up in just doing the exciting work and push the the more boring parts to the side. Whereas, if it's in my calendar, I feel that commitment to need to work on it. Um, so I'm I'm technically in a management role, but I'm still very hands on with all of our projects, and that's that's part and parcel of being part of the small dev team. Um, everyone is involved in everything. Um, it's absolutely necessary. We're going through a really exciting period, which means a cross between maintaining and expanding our current platforms. So the likes of our comparison shopping service or 
a platform that we've got to optimize Google Shopping data. So that there's really a balance during the week of maintaining that existing tech and expanding upon it and building tech for our account managers. So we're seeing the benefit of improving our services as well as, like I say, at the minute, going through the planning and research phases for this new product and service that we're looking to create. So it's a real time of innovation. Um, a sort of standard week for me is an all-hands team meeting on a Monday just to sort of review tasks, projects, where we're up to. It's a prime opportunity for anyone to sort of speak about any any issues that they're facing during the week, and we can arrange sort of what the teams will look like and how people can support on that. We'll catch up again on a Wednesday morning and again on a Friday morning just to sort of review the week. Um, we're a team of five that's about to grow to a team of seven as a department, so we are still really small and bootstrapped. So everyone plays a part in everything. Um Days can quickly get changed around just based on what devs' needs are and what, what we need to jump on and what we need to take a look at. So as yeah. much as I try to be religious with my calendar, it it very often gets shuffled around. It's got to have some flexibility and built. Absolutely. And what are the biggest challenges, would you say, in your current role? Like, Is there anything that gets in the way of, of progress? Is there anything that, you know... Um, is, is daunting about it like what are the, what would you say the challenges are with the, with the role so we work predominantly in marketing tech and the biggest challenge particularly as a small team is at times keeping up um there are times where we're very much at the mercy of the likes of google amazon facebook uh, in terms of the tech and the apis that they have um so things like when google released the css program uh the comparison shopping services program it was something that we jumped on really quickly but at the time, it was only myself and we just had our second dev start. So we sort of dropped everything to prioritize that and start building this new service that was really reactive to a new program that Google had pushed out. Um, we've obviously got a little bit more flexibility based on the number of staff that we've got. But definitely one of the biggest challenges we face in MarTech is at times keeping up, particularly being a small team. Yeah, it's... Um... Like there is no world that evolves fast faster. I can't think of any any example in any other industry than tech. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, so it's the biggest challenge, it's, but it's also the biggest selling point. There you go. And that's, that was the next question. What what excites you um, during your time in Mabo? What what sort of gets you out of bed? It, it's definitely the thought that, as, like I say, as much as I try to be religious with my calendar, I know that it's going to get shuffled around. No two days are the same. Um, we've got projects running concurrently. We've got tech to update. We're reactive to partners and sort of the agencies and the likes of Google and the tech that they're pushing out. So just like I say, keeping up is, is the challenge, but what's life without a challenge? Yeah, exactly. And I imagine just, just from getting to know you over the past few months, you must be full of ideas. It must be difficult to hold back ideas to concentrate and get things done on the ones that you've already got in front of you. You must wake up with a different idea every day that you want to do. Well, that's it. When I joined Mabel, we started with a backlog of projects and ideas. And to be fair, since I've started, that backlog and list of ideas has only got longer. And I'm part of the problem <laughs> in that I keep adding to it. So I just create work for myself and the team. <laughs> and can you pinpoint one? Obviously, I've asked this question before Mabo, but including Mabo, um, obviously before Mabo, can you pinpoint one real career high, a moment that you really took time to celebrate? Uh, so I, I absolutely wouldn't change my career path for the world. Um, but the way that I've gone about it, particularly in terms of being an apprentice and rather than having any of those sort of certifications or degrees, it leads to a little bit more of a touch of imposter syndrome. And it's something that we all face at times. And it's definitely something yeah. that, that I've, I've 
felt myself. Um, so for me, a, a real career high was was being invited to be a part of the project at Maybo, to be honest with you. Um, it was a real sort of, it was a really exciting period at an exciting company and being offered the role of head of dev and to be able to sort of build that dev team and become the first dev in a, in a growing PPC agency. At the time, Maybo had just been named the best small PPC agency in Europe. Um, <laughs> which is no mean feat. So no. I come in as the first dev about a week after after that had been announced and say, right, we've invested in in tech and building that building that tech in house um, was a real a real career high for me and I've, I've enjoyed every minute of being here. I love it. I love it. And on the flip side, has there been one key battle or I guess crisis moment during your career? And by that I mean. I've had a couple of guests that have come on and said that during a Black Friday sale, the website's gone down or Christmas Eve um, before their big sale on Boxing Day, um, the servers have gone down. Has there been any moment like that in your career where it's been like you've had to take a couple of minutes in a dark room? <laughs> we, um, particularly as a PPC agency, we've seen our fair share of website crashes on Black Friday. Um, <laughs> and we've had clients calling us to ask why their servers have gone down or sort of what's happening and why the performance has dipped. Um, but the one particularly in my role is is comparison shopping services. So, like I say, we, we we are very much at the mercy of the likes of Google, and the comparison shopping service program is one that got an awful lot of headlines when it was when it was announced. Um, we were one of the first thirty brands in the UK to be a Google accredited CSS partner, so we got onto the program really early. And I think we were one of the first two sort of PPC specialist agencies that didn't already operate a CSS platform to be a part of it. So it was a real success for us. But the downside to being on so early was everything came with an asterisk. Uh, everything was subject to change and review, and it was like being a beta tester. So admittedly, the programs only got better and better. And with the guidelines for partner status becoming more stringent on the likes of the UX of the CSS website, the number of products and the minimum minimum retailers and comparisons required, it's pushed the quality of CSS up, um, which in theory is great. But our challenge is being reactive to that again and just sort of being able to keep up with those ever-changing guidelines. They've got to a really strong point now where the comparison shopping service program is really strong um, and there's some great brands that, that do some amazing work there. Maybe we're pleased to be a part of it, but it was definitely a crisis time when the guidelines were changed and we sort of had to, to rethink <laughs> our entire platform and, and rebuild it in the space of about four days. <laughs> that sounds like a few sleepless nights too fair. Um <laughs> What, what does the next 12 months look like for, for, for Mavo, um, especially in, uh, in in development? Well, I've been building up the suspense and it's, it's only something that I can keep doing. Um, I can't say too much, but it's set to be almost exciting yet, yet both in dev and as a business. Um, yeah. So we've, we've already agreed terms with two new starters, so we'll be growing our team in the next month or so. We're continuously improving our internal platforms and subsequently the quality of our client advertising performance. Everything we've done up until this point is to constantly improve the returns that our clients get. We operate on a no-contract basis, so we are very results-led. Um, there's nothing yeah. there's nothing to stop all of our clients leaving tomorrow other than the quality of our service. So, yeah. uh, for, And finally, it, it's that new service and product that we're launching for e-commerce retailers. We're investing a lot in time, people, resource, and planning to make sure we get this right. So it'll definitely be a new feather in the cap of Maybo. And like I say, just, just watch this space on that one. Fantastic. And final question, what's the next 12 months look like for you? Uh, it's set to be really exciting too, um, particularly with the thought and with fingers crossed of the world going back to a little bit more normality with the likes of COVID vaccines. Um, 
on a personal note, the next, the next 12 months I've got a lot in store for myself. Um, I'm really passionate about mental health and a goal that I set for myself this year was to complete the training to be a crisis volunteer. So I'd Fantastic. be able to, to work with people that are struggling with their own mental health. Um, it's something that I'm really passionate about. Um, I'm, not, I'm not afraid to admit that mental health is something that I've been very conscious of and I've spoken about before. Um, so yeah. to be able to complete that training and work, work with other people that have been in, in that situation is something that I'm really looking forward to doing. Um, and I've also made a goal to run the Great North Run uh, in around one hour 50 this year. Nice. Nice. So you've got a lot on the personally outside of work, which is great. And uh, those targets are something that it can uh, it can get you to the end of the day, the day sometimes, can't it? So, you know, you've got to be able to work on that after after hours. So, no, that's fantastic. And um, thank you very much for, for, for coming on, having a chat. And uh, as you've hinted to several times, you've got some exciting <laughs> news. So as soon as that is announced, I'm definitely going to have to jump on uh, on a podcast with you too. To learn more about that, if you'd be uh, if you'd be happy to do so, definitely. I've, I've got to say something to get me back. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, Peter, thank you very much. Great stuff. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And there we have it. First episode of series two done. Thanks to Peter for coming on, and I'll see you next week.